1: Tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's fiber skincare. It's the game of roses. Welcome to the game of
0: roses. This is the game of roses. Welcome to the game. things I wanted to hear, but what I learned about you tonight is you're selfish,
1: unkind, and a liar.
0: Your Bachelor audition ends tonight, so get out.
1: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This is Bachelor Clues, and... What a game we just witnessed. A lot of crazy play in this one. Wowee. There was a big wowee for me in this one, which we will get to, of course. And as we're recording this, news is swirling around Bachelor Nation right now about the PPP loans that some players, including one of our co-hosts of tonight's big game, were issued by the United States government. We will be talking about that later on Thursday. Not the go. She yeah. might have gotten one. We don't know. We don't she know yet. Ever.
1: Jason said uh, never say never. And he's probably her financial advisor.
0: <laughs> That's true. I've, he knows what I've he's gone doing. through a lot
1: of steps in my head.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. But tonight's big game had a lot of stuff in it that we haven't really seen before. At least one thing in the form of a tattle, which we are gonna get to. We also had a player crashing, mm-hmm. which is a rare, rare event. And very usually it doesn't work out. We've seen it work out for players like Nick Vial, of course, who crashed Caitlin Bristow's season and made it He's all the way to the second. Rebecca
1: Tilly. We've seen it work out for Mary Delgado. Way before Vail.
0: And now it appears we're going to see it work out for Blake Moines. But we're going to get to all of that right now. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This... Is Game of Roses. So we open tonight's big game in the traditional way that we're opening everything this season. We have not yet gotten one of those things where they play an entire scene and then get into the show. We're getting a teaser every episode, opening with a voiceover from whoever our new voiceover guy is, not the Dark Lord, but some other man with a deep voice. (laughs) It's, It's all I hear every time. I'm like, who is that guy? It says, this is what you're going to get on The Bachelor, basically. And we see we're going to get some waxing, love is pain, a proposal date, which uh, turned out to be the Peppers. We see Grippo kissing. She l twos in. There's laughter. Thomas is jogging. The guys think he's there for TWR. Courtney is shirtless lifting weights in this promo. Thomas does a knock knock. Aaron gets angry. There's tears. Blake shows up. This could change everything. That's everything we've got packed in to this little minute or so long a cut down of what this episode is going to be.
1: I do feel like we're going to have BM and then AM before Moines and after Moines because Moines came to play.
0: The game's over. I mean, we'll get to it, (laughs) but it's not... I'm not shitting you. There's no contest here. The the kind of meanderings of shy style players like Greg Grippo and Connor the Catman B... They're just done now. That's completely over. This is a new game. Only one player is playing it. It is Blake Moynes. He can have whatever he wants. Does he want the crown or the ring? He's getting one of them. It's his choice, basically.
1: I can't see him for crown, but I could see him winning the ring.
0: Time will tell. Something he himself (laughs) even said in this episode, which we will get to. I
1: know. I know. (laughs) Very exciting. (laughs) But the opening shot. (laughs) After the promos, we get some creatures, couple turkeys, a bird flying off the fence, running away from Thomas. And we get a conversation between a mini little dynamic duo we had this episode, Christian and Trey. They're shit talking Thomas.
0: And so they're opening up right away with this idea that Thomas is going to be the enemy, he's going to be the villain, the guys are going to be ganging up on him, and that's pretty much the dramatic component of what this entire episode is going to be about tonight. We even get a replay of a clip from last week when they confronted Thomas, and Trey tells him, you don't go from wanting to be the Bachelor to falling in love with her in three weeks. This was a very funny line to me because that's literally what every player in the game is doing, Trey. And this idea is hit again that you cannot even entertain the possibility that you could be the bachelor walking off the show or that's going to be so for TWR that you will be, as they put it later, ostracized from the group.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we have thought police now. You can't even think it. Don't you dare. Even though it's just as likely as winning the ring.
0: And they've all entertained it. As soon as you get the call from the producers, you're going to be in the player pool. That thought definitely goes through your fucking mind. It definitely does. Even what Thomas says later, which we'll get to, where he's like, it's just rational thinking. I have to say, I agree.
1: Courtney would never.
0: (laughs) That's right. (laughs) But then we get some more shots of all the guys shit talking Thomas behind his back. Hunter says he's really pissed off at an ITM. Courtney's lifting weights as Thomas tells him that he's been a politician. Did we know that?
1: I did not know this.
0: What? Politician? I mean, all we had to what go by this man's hold? Instagram
1: is for Instagram posts. So it seems <laughs> like he, maybe he did a politician's scrub.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe he was like his high school treasurer or something i have no idea what political office he held but he mentions it here and then courtney tells him that he's dug a ditch and he has to be aware of it as courtney is wearing a shirt with the shape of texas on it and his hometown and name are put up in a little chiron and his hometown is the source Dallas, Texas. We are getting Texas overload in this one fucking shot, and it's just reinforcing that that is where everything good in this game comes from. Courtney's in my top four, just FYI.
1: He's in mine too. I don't know if he's going to go the distance, but we shall see. (laughs) Thomas says, would you want to be in my position? And Courtney says, absolutely not, which was (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah he understands the game he's like i'm gonna be out here shirtless getting fucking jacked you can uh basically sink your own ship then we cut to a pond where a duck is strutting his stuff he's high stepping in the shallow water but he was not my creature of the week and he was not a duck he was a goose exactly <laughs> then we go to the group date and all the guys are jogging up to her. Nobody in the pack tries to be first here. The Catman, Connor B, arbitrarily gets the first hug. But there couldn't be less enthusiasm displayed. There are no who no forced two Jews, And I'm it now... It made
1: me think they reshot it.
0: I don't know what is going on this season in terms of the timeline and what they're reshooting, what they're requiring people to act. We're going to get into a bunch of that in this episode. But this whole season is fucking piece together Frankenstein's monster style and this group date I mean not even just the things they're making them do but how they're presenting it tonight's game basically is opening with this group date for which we have no context because the lead into it happened last week I don't know who's on this date I don't know what this fucking date is about I haven't seen the date card read I do not give a shit I'm coming into this with no emotional connection to the event whatsoever, and this is a weakness of the producers who are manufacturing the show this season. The way they're presenting it is so haphazard, so slapped together, that they're losing dramatic tension in the way they're presenting these group dates by cutting them in half.
1: Katie tells them that she is looking today for who has a sense of humor and has two friends to help me out with that. I'm like... They already know that Caitlyn and Tasha are there. What is this, this fake buildup to the hosts coming out again? I don't understand.
0: Oh, you don't like the fake buildup of things we already know about? Then you're really not going to like the 15 minutes they spent building up Blake Moyne's secret identity after they've already revealed it in fucking promos for an entire six month period. Or whatever. It seems like six months, at least a month. You know.
1: Actually, you're not right. I did like it because I did like the artistic directions that they had done. Little shadows (laughs) of Blake, seeing his little white sneakers (laughs) walking. Oh no! I I
0: despise it. We will get to that. Jesus Christ! But Taitlin comes out, and they say uh, the they'll be taken they tell the guys they'll be taken on an emotional roller coaster that will probably have some tears in a game called katie's truth or dare now they're just repackaging a different game that we saw on tasia and claire's season where it was an opposite or a scavenger hunt and the guys had to go around la quinta and find certain things and blah 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 some of these events in this scavenger hunt are literally exactly the same
1: they kept the ones they loved you know the the real gems like eating a hot pepper and fake proposing
0: (laughs) and the speaking like sexual shit into a speaker that was also part of Mm -hmm. it this is essentially a scavenger hunt they say that dares have been set up all over the property to push their limits physically emotionally but it's just a scavenger hunt they're told they have to take pictures so there that also was a component of the one that they did literally one season ago there is no uh separation there's no attempt here by the producers to do anything creative they literally are just saying hey that thing we did six months ago let's just do that again and it just this whole season to me has felt a little off because we don't have a singular host not saying it has to be dlh but like having two hosts splits their authority a little bit they also don't seem invested in it just redoing a date that we saw not that long ago just seems lazy and shitty in some way And to me, this date played out in that way. I know you liked it, though.
1: I did. You know, the the trope of like watching men get waxed. I I still like it. I've seen it a thousand times in romantic comedies, etc. It's still funny to me.
0: That was the best part. I agree with you. Seeing somebody eat five Twinkies or whatever is not funny. It's not cool in any way. The habanero pepper thing, it would have been good if I hadn't already seen it happen. The waxing thing though, I agree with you. Or like when they put the shock things on them to have babies on Hannah mm-hmm. Brown season, that shit's oh, the funny. physical
1: torture. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. If you're going to fucking give us physical torture, give us physical torture. Let me see every guy getting waxed multiple times in multiple locations yes. on the body. I don't need to see them eating noodles and fucking... Whispering into a weird styrofoam ear.
1: Although I did like the reveal, Virgin Mike says that he hasn't had a carb in seven years, so he's revealing that he has not had sex or carbs in seven years. What a life he's living!
0: He's a very disciplined human being. That's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> but then in portion two, we we get to see all this shit, basically that we've just been talking about the 5,400 calories of Twinkies the no carbs in seven years andrew s and justin have to whisper into a giant ear that projects out to katie on a loudspeaker and he does some sexual speech play in his british accent
1: i liked him reprising the uh the accent
0: yeah i thought it was a nice touch uh grippo then takes over the (laughs) ear and i don't know exactly what he's trying to do here he goes into some strange accent and starts talking about how he can show her the 50 states and it makes no sense at all, even Taitland says, this is nonsensical. What the fuck is he doing? Does he think that was good?
1: This was almost my error of the game. Him not realizing that Katie would be directly listening to this? Come on. I mean, maybe he was
0: joking. And just the, the play itself was terrible. If you're going to whisper into this thing and, and try to do something like, at least make it funny, at least make it understandable. I literally have no idea what he was even attempting here. It wasn't like he tried to do a joke and it failed. It was like, was this even a joke? What? What is this?
1: There was some sort of an accent. There was a Texas ref.
0: That's true, I, I but know. not a Dallas reference. If you're going to go to the source, go to the fucking source. Don't beat around the bush. <laughs> but then we cut to that Trey. No, yeah, that's right. The not mentioning the source, the
1: source. Grippo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> then we cut to christian and trey and this is where we get our first waxing christian waxes trey's ass <laughs> trey,
1: <laughs> they black box I, it
0: this was genuinely a funny moment to me yes. uh, trey is taking this like a good sport so is christian and it seems incredibly painful it's also funny that it's his ass this i thought was really a highlight of the entire episode for me
1: I agree. And they're doing their little dynamic duo. Christian's like, I got you, baby. Trey's like, you're rubbing and tugging. Christian says, and a one and a two and a rip doody do. <laughs> Love that little improv. <laughs> yeah.
0: He knows how to get some screen time there. And then the guys come in and uh, Taitlin is standing there with Katie by this table. And They tell them habanero peppers are the next item on the menu. And they're going to have to eat them and then get down on the knee and propose to Katie. This is the, a literal repeat of what we saw on Clarentasia's season. Exact same thing. And even Grippo's shy style can't handle the heat. But when he does his proposal, he LL-4s her. Seemingly in jest. He says, I love you. And Katie says, in an ITM, it counts. Now, look.
1: She's telling us we got to collect the data... As an LL4. Yes, that is what I took that to
0: mean. <laughs> that she's speaking directly to us and that this is a viable, confirmed, legal play of an LL4. She acknowledges it and so must we.
1: I put it in the grid.
0: <laughs> I, I put it in my recap thing we here as well in my nose.
1: Tears from Andrew S. We got tears from Josh. Trey loads love level one. I definitely have feelings for her. We're definitely getting a lot of Trey screen time.
0: Yeah, Trey is definitely being set up for a win on this group date, even in his proposal. They give Mm. him the most time. He's cut to be sincere in it. And she then Mm. tells them, tonight will be all about the truth. She wants everyone to be vulnerable and honest, and it can really make or break all the relationships, she says in her ITM. And again, to me, this entire group date portion was incredibly boring. Because it's a date we have already seen very recently, but also because they're presenting it in this shitty way where it's cut in half and it just, it was a mess to me, this group day portion. I could have like done completely without it and gone straight to the mm-hmm. night. Give me one or two ITMs of Trey setting up that like Thomas is a piece of shit and he's going to tattle on him. That's really all I need. The, the whole the day portion.
1: The rippy- doo doo.
0: Or give me a whole day portion of waxing. That would have at least been entertaining. Look,
1: it's, they keep doing this to us where they don't put the rose ceremony at the end. It, it feels like a personal attack. Nothing we say seems to affect that. They still do it.
0: We're going to get to a, a few parts later here. One specifically in this episode that really laid out for me what the fuck is going on this season. And how they shoot these seasons is they shoot it all. They shoot all two months, or in this case, I think it was seven weeks, because it ended a week early, per Katie Thurston's request. We don't know why, but they shoot it all, then they start editing it, and there are some chronological markers, some temporal signposts that they can't get around, like limo exits. That's got to be the first thing you see. The dates do have to occur in some kind of an order. You are going to have to have rose ceremonies in the order they happen. But pretty much anything else in there, other than like fantasy suites and hometowns have to come in playoffs, that kind of shit. They can move things around. They can even go back and get reshoots. They can cut things to look like whatever they want. And I think what we see is the result of a mess of a season that they're trying to make sense of. And because they have manipulated the timing of certain events which we're going to find later in this episode, they necessarily have to cut group dates in half. They have to find these fake kind of moments of drama to hang shit on so that the lie they're telling us about how things happened in what order can be semi-believable. To me, it is not. At this point, mm, I'm seeing through it all. A big lie. Yeah, and we'll get to that. But portion three begins. Night has fallen on our beautiful resort. There is a deer eating some grass in the night. Not my creature. The guys come to sit by a fire pit at the after party and the group date roses on the table. Trey is still being set up for the win here. And Mikey says he thinks any guy could get it. And they're all hopeful. They all understand the importance of this group date rose. They're openly talking about it. Now, again, you can't mention being the bachelor, but you can definitely mention the importance of winning this group date rose. (laughs) You can talk about gameplay. You just can't talk about being the bachelor.
1: Katie comes in and tells them she had fun. She hopes they had fun in the forced dare ceremony earlier. She reiterates that tonight's after party has the theme of truth. She wants them to open up, get deeper, be comfortable, be vulnerable. She cheerses them and we get sort of a Ting-esque noise
0: i counted this as ting she even mentions it she says oh it's beautiful music as they each they do cheers as one at a time basically she just goes around ting 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 and she goes oh beautiful music
1: even if it's not silverware
0: that's the closest i'm gonna get to a fucking ting That was a ting symphony, if anything, okay? And so I'm going to take it and I'm going to go to sleep Mm -hmm. tonight and I'm going to hear that replaying after I watch it maybe 10 or 11 more times and that's how I'm going to get my ting fill for the season because they're not going to give me a real ting. I already know it. They're
1: not, and let's give it to you. Thank you. (laughs) Right after this, Andrew S. is the first responder. Hope you fellas don't mind. Can I steal her? He does. He has set up a mini date, which is calling back the day portion of their group date. He has a meal that is covered by a silver bowl cover. Katie says, I feel payback right now. And he says 100% payback, but he reveals tacos, says, I hear you like T-Bell. Let's get a taco cheers real quick. Cheers to foodies. And he says he loves the group date crew that she picked for him, that these are his guys, his close group. He then says, you made an impact on me that I never knew I had. Katie says, aw, yay. And he says, I've never had a woman understand me. I value every moment with you. They're so brief, but they're so impactful. This is a nice move. Praising the process, praising getting that group date time, even though he hasn't had a one-on-one is a good setup for trying to get yourself a one-on-one.
0: I felt like that was an L01 as well. You made an impact on me. I've never had a woman understand me.
1: Those, those are not feelings.
0: Mm, okay. <laughs> All right. I'll acquiesce.
1: Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe.
0: She says <laughs> she's focused on an engagement, and she feels that it's easy with him, and he reprises his stop-looking-at-me line And then he gets Mm -hmm. a kiss immediately after they've just eaten Taco Bell.
1: I like that he did a a variation on his successful kiss lead-in line. Andrew is learning.
0: And then we get a couple of other little one-on-one times from...
1: Andrew M. Virgin Mike.
0: And then Grippo gets his one-on-one time. His opening line is... I was so nervous. This motherfucker is shy styling till his dying day. Like he's not coming off of shy style. I personally think if you're a shy style player, there's a moment when you pivot to an all out super confident, aggressive player. And the change in your character will be grease. Exactly. Exactly. You come in in the fucking leather jacket and you're like, I can do this too here he's just dying in his shy style he's drowning in it i I was so nervous (laughs) and then they joke about having their first fight and she asks him how he's doing she gives him a how you doing and he says he feels like he's in high school and out of his comfort zone more shy style play it's like dude it's getting old and you don't know this yet but there's a motherfucker with a beard about to wreck your game and he's waiting in his hotel room
1: Or is he? Who knows where more Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably fucking on Morn's that date and time. they just cut him out. Yeah. Katie says, or he says, I, lo- I just love the connection I feel with you. Love lo- Hitting that love level one again. Katie says, that's where I'm at when it comes to you. And Grippo says, what makes you so sure? Which I thought was an interesting question. She says, every time you say something, it's real. You're not putting on an act. It's authentic. And we shared a lot, and that made us closer. We have our mirror PTCs. And she sort of implies that he's going to the end here. She says, I have to see this out to the very end. And if it's something that you and I can get to together, that says a lot. I feel like this was sort of implying you're staying around a long time. And then she says, I'm starting to fall for you. Love level two. Katie for Grippo.
0: And this is... Kind of what I've been saying about Katie Thurston since day one. She's a fucking astute player. To even know that you have a love level two, that that's a possible play to make, is something I think most players are not aware of. To use it as a fucking lead? Give me a break. It means she can string anybody along through four fucking love levels to the end. She's At Mm -hmm. this point, I'm convinced she's a genius level player who is now on the opposite end of it. She just didn't get to show us all of her plays in Matt James season because she got eliminated too early. Now she's pulling out. the She's like, look what I could have done as a player. Check this shit out. Let me love level two somebody.
1: I mean, I gave her my play of the game last week, but she does something this episode where I was like, oh, shit. Yes. She is taking control. Making some major plays for a lead.
0: Yeah, as much as the producers are in control of this entire season and literally everything that's happening, she is giving us the impression that she's the one driving this car. And that is a hard fucking thing to do because the producers always control everything. And very usually, it looks like that. Like you're talking about Hannah Brown, (laughs) P.P., anyone really. Popeye, sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Katie Thurston really does make it seem like she's the one controlling all of this. And for that, I congratulate her. Then we cut back to the other guys. They're sitting around the fire pit at this after party. They are shit-talking Thomas. Trey and Christian are getting sucked into the tattle trap. And Trey ITMs that he plans to tattle at this very group date. And Andrew S. says, we don't need to concern Katie in this. Christian comes back and is like, look how manipulative he is. And Andrew S. is like, yeah, dude, he's manipulating you. Trey says, if you're not concerned with him actively fucking up the process, then you don't care and Andrew S. is basically like, look, Katie can do this. She can sniff it out. Don't worry about it. And Andrew S., this, this conversation they're having is fascinating to me because we've yes. never really seen it before. You're looking at multiple players saying a tattle needs to occur. One player is saying, I'm going to be the one to tattle. And another player is saying, "Tattling's a terrible strategy. It fucks up everything for all of us. Don't tattle. You're seeing two players now arguing about what strategy should be employed and what the possible fallout might be for the entire fucking group. This, to me, was like professional era shit.
1: I totally agree. The calling out that they're going to ruin a cocktail party or they're going to ruin an after party before it even happens. I also just loved this conversation because they kind of give the producers what they would want from a rivalry but it's not a rivalry both of them are being very respectful of each other and they're basically like saying we agree to disagree on what the best strategy and what is the most 40 rr for katie Trey says i think we agree to disagree we have one-on-one time with josh at the start of portion four and i feel like josh has a very vague understanding of this game the f- sentences he says are very confusing here He says, I think it's time I tell you how I really feel at my journey up to this point. Came in thinking I'd find love and learn a lot about myself, but to see you and your genuine compassion, your search for love, it's the most incredible experience I've ever experienced.
0: Hey, he's just praising the process the only way he knows how. I'm not going to fault a man for that. You know, he doesn't know this at that point. He's behind in the game. He's got no real chance. He's playing a floater role. Let him play. Let him float. You know, it's okay. He's (laughs) Yeah, he's floating. And then we cut back to the guys, and Trey tells the other guys tonight's the most crucial night for him. He ITMs, he's a little nervous about tattling. And Andrew S says that they shouldn't bring up Thomas again. He's hitting that hard, and Christian insists that the tattle must happen. Grippo says he supports the tattle. Andrew S still thinks it's a bad idea, and we're getting that level of gamesmanship again just before Trey gets his one on one time. And we know what's coming here, and we've seen tattles in the past. They don't usually work. The best case scenario, Never. especially like a, a specified title, a targeted title where you're like, this one person is a piece of shit for TWR. Usually what happens is they both get fucking sent home. Mm-hmm. But he's going to do it anyway. So they sit down. Katie says it was a fun date. Trey says even when uh, she wasn't around, he was having the best time. And he says he loves the flirting and everything. But he thinks there are some things in the house that have been happening. And she needs the information of what has been going on. And he says Thomas is not here for her. There's been a pattern of manipulative behavior with him. He's very good with his words, which he later corroborates. (laughs) And he says everyone has had similar experiences with him. He says it sucks to have to tell you this, but she needs to know these things. And Trey tattles that his intention, Thomas, was to be the bachelor when he came on the show. For Trey, that's just not something you do. And he says he's trying to protect her. He doesn't want to see her get hurt. She feigns being stunned by this. And then she ITMs that if you came here to be The Bachelor, you're not open to falling in love. She tells Trey this was something she 1,000% wanted to know. And it seemingly has paid off. And we're going to find out later that it Mm. did. And that's why this tattle was my...
1: Play, 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 play,
0: play of the game. Again, we're going to see it pay off. He gets the group date rose for this. This is a strategy that never fucking works, or very statistically, it's, it's improbable that it will. And here he pulls it off in a grand fucking fashion. So much so... That he's going to now get other guys to corroborate the title later on in the fucking episode. He gets a group date rose for it. Even after he was essentially, uh, Andrew S. tried to talk him out of doing it. And he was like, no, dude, this is my strategy. I'm fucking playing it. And it fucking worked. I thought this was brilliant. Because it requires you to know the first audience. To know that this bachelorette is not going to fucking send you home for this. That she's going to appreciate getting the information. And it fucking worked.
1: Look. <laughs> I don't normally do this. Give this following award to something that immediately <laughs> resulted in a group date, Rose. But Trey's tattle on Thomas was my error, 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 error of the game.
0: Shit, my play of the game was your (laughs) error? I don't think we've ever had that.
1: I don't think so either. Uh, Tattling is never a good idea, full stop, period. I'm sorry. Sure. Trey got the group date rose this week as a symbol by Katie to try to encourage other tattlers to try to get more info. The group date rose had nothing to do with her connection with Trey. It only saved him for one week.
0: A zero-point rose is a fucking zero-point rose. And whoever did that tattle was going to get it. And it, it, it's not arbitrary that it was Trey. He was the one who was like, I'm fucking tattling. There were plenty of other guys who thought tattling was a good idea, Christian being probably the most uh, vocal of them. Christian didn't do the tattle. Trey did the fucking tattle. He gets the reward. You got to have some fucking stones to do that. You got to step up and be like, fuck it, I'm tattling. And it worked. He was able to do it in a way that paid off. Zero point fucking rose for one week. Yeah, but this is a volatile week. That's a huge rose. I'm sorry.
1: I just think tattling hurts your long game, period. Always an error. We've never seen a tattler win the ring, win the crown. You never even seen it, motherfucker.
0: Katie Thurston is the crown right now. She
1: did a tattle.
0: (laughs) It was a big tattle. It was not. It was not a targeted tattle like we see tonight. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I don't. Those are on a different level. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look, I agree with you. I think
1: I I really like Trey, and I was like, maybe he could be top four, maybe he could be top six, but tattling. I
0: I agree with you. His long game is done, and this sealed that deal. I'm just talking about the play of this game. For me, that was a high degree of difficulty, and he fucking did it in a way I've never seen before.
1: I have a play that was much more difficult to pull off and pulled (laughs) off in a much more extraordinary manner. Okay, okay, we'll get to it. (laughs) But... Yeah, look, I see the argument for play of the game, but I also see my argument for error of the game.
0: <laughs> oh, do you see your own argument? You're like, look, yeah. I see what you're saying, but I agree with myself. Okay, so <laughs> after, after my play of the game and Pace Case's error of the game, we get the shot of Katie standing alone in the dark, crying, and she's talking to what looks like herself about manipulation and being manipulated, and then we see a masked producer emerge from the shadows to hug her as she cries and this masked producer was my Jorge 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 Moreno bystander of the week
1: I love to see a producer do an STCO, and therefore, this producer was also my. Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. week, 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 week.
0: This producer had no competition. It was the only non-player pictured in the entire episode. So congratulations to whoever that producer was. You deserve it.
1: Yeah. Congrats on pretending to be Katie's friend and getting that STCO.
0: And then Trey returns to the group and he tells the guys he tattled and says she received it very well. Andrew S. is still shaking his head, thinking it's a bad idea, saying it's too dramatic. You guys don't want drama, but you spark it, he says. And then he goes, (laughs) he says, you're killing the vibe. Boss Killington. That was some of the funniest fucking shit. Oh, Buzz Killington? Buzz Killington. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was boss. Buzz is even
1: better. Oh, fuck. S. his colorful narration never ceases to amaze. I love Buzz Killington.
0: And then in his ITM, he starts talking about that the drama is going to have this ripple effect every time, and it makes them all look bad. There's no way Trey gets the rose, he says. And you know when they (laughs) cut that in, you know exactly what's about to happen. Katie comes back, uh, says she's open to hearing anything else about Thomas at this point. She's like, bring it. All of you can tattle now. Give me a group tattle, please. And everybody basically joins in. uh, Every other fucking guy.
1: Josh. Then Andrew. Then Christian. Then Connor C. And then Grippo.
0: We trust your intuition. Yeah, I love this little (laughs) pivot from Grippo. He's like, I'm not going to take a side. I believe you could make the decision, Katie. (laughs) And then she clutches the group date rose. Trey gets a mention and gets the rose. A fucking tattle rose. First in history to my knowledge, which is why he got my play of the game. And Andrew S. is left (laughs) essentially shaking his head just like, fuck, I can't believe this worked. And then portion five begins. The morning sun rises. We get a shot of a fence. Joshua fills in James and Aaron about Trey's tattle the night before. And Thomas sits alone in journals as Aaron ITMs that Thomas's only shot is going to be manipulation. Courtney tells Justin, it's just going to be a bunch of baloney. And who likes baloney? Well, Courtney, Garrett Powell likes baloney. I'll have you know.
1: That is from season 15 of The Bachelorette, Hannah Brown. The three-on-one date.
0: Well, it was also when Garrett Powell cut holes out of the middle of bologna slices and put them on his eyes like glasses. I will never forget that image. It will haunt me until I die. The next thing we get is a shot of a bird in a tree, not my Creature of the Week. And then we get a little scene that is my wowie- moment of the week because in some way this next scene is completely a lie katie is in her room sipping from a mug and she itms that she feels like a fool because of thomas there's a knock on the door Tasha enters to chat with her we notice there are no cups of milk or yogurt for her on the table this time
1: she says that she was to find out someone i was falling for is not here for me this is a loaded love level three for Thomas.
0: And they begin to talk about the dilemma that Katie's experiencing because of Thomas. And then Tasha says, well, I know you're having a tough time, but I have to tell you something. There's a guy who reached out to me that I knew from my season who wants to meet you. And I think you would be good for him. I think he'd be good for you, essentially. There's this mystery man. He's genuine. He will push you, accept you for you. And we cut to this mystery man getting ready in his hotel room, staring out the window. All of this is worthless, this, this attempt to conceal the identity of Blake Moines. They've shown him in promos for the past month. We know it's him. We know there's still a scene coming that we didn't get to see this entire episode where he has the boombox over his head. That's coming next. So this entire segment, of being like, who is this guy? Let's keep playing this up. They themselves have ruined that. And yet they're still asking us to believe the lie here. That's only one piece of the lie, though. So Katie at this point is producing tears. She says this is scary for her. She has relationships forming with these other guys. And whoever this mystery man is has to be worth the risk. Tasha says you feeling that way is very for TRR, basically. She gets how scary it is. And she says, whatever you decide, I support you. We have your back and then we see Blake stalking the grounds and the last shot we get is of his shadow. The stupid fucking thing. Who was this guy? Who's this guy? Now, let me get into the real lie of this, this entire scene. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's bad that they're making us try to fool ourselves into being like, I don't know who it could be. But the worst thing is that we know from Nick Viau, who hosted the Circle of Pain date last week, when he went on the Us Weekly podcast here to make friends he said that he talked to Katie before the circle of pain date about Blake Moynes arriving, that she had already met him. So there can only be a couple of true things here. One, the meeting we see later in this episode between Katie and Blake actually did occur before the circle of pain, and they have just cut mm-hmm. it dramatically out of order. That's possible. Or what I think is more likely here is that Tasha and Katie are completely acting. Like she doesn't know that he's there yet and doesn't know who he is because in some of the things she's saying, she is bringing up Thomas and the dilemma she's having with Thomas, with which chronologically
1: has to happen after Circle of Pain.
0: It seems like it unless they've cut Circle of Pain entirely out of order. Maybe they switched the group dates mm-hmm. that this uh, scavenger hunt group date actually happened in week two and the Circle of Pain group date happened in week. Three, but then I don't know if that works because are there guys who have already been eliminated from Circle of Pain? I'm not exactly sure. You know what I mean? I
1: think there is a third possibility. Brace yourself. Okay. Maybe Nick Vial was referring to the DMs and not about having met Blake Moines in person.
0: Possibly. But then with the DMs, we don't know the extent of DMs. When he says later... Which will? Oh fuck it. We'll we'll get to it later when they meet. Cause he says something in that meeting that's like, I was very vocal about how I felt about you. I took that to mean just like tweets and comments and shit. But maybe it is DMs. I don't know. At any rate, something is definitely a lie here. Oh, it was DMs. Oh, is that
1: confirmed? Yeah. Well, I think she said it in this episode.
0: Oh, I didn't catch that. Shit. Maybe I was taking notes. I was too outraged by what I perceived to be a lie here. Something is is fucking fishy. (laughs) Something in the way they're presenting this is not right. And I don't know if it's they're making Tasha and Katie just fucking straight act, straight lie to us here about when she met Blake Moynes or how that came to be or if they cut the dates out of order. I don't know what's going on, but this is a fucking mess. None of it makes sense. Even I think if you're not looking at this with a critical eye for like how they're producing the show, it's confusing. And I think in a show like this, the last thing you want is your audience to be confused. You're trying to present very clear <laughs> stances of all the players, what their attitudes are, what the timeline is. And by busting it up like this, it's just a fucking mess.
1: They intercut this conversation with more silhouettes of the mystery player and a headless man walking in white sneakers. I just, to me, it's funny that they keep showing this when they've already showed us in their promos who it is. Like it's just it's silly.
0: Yeah, but it's like to me, it's like insulting to the audience. It's like, what (laughs) what's going on here? Are you trying to make it seem like we, the audience, don't know who this man is? You've literally shown him to us in multiple promos. If you're watching the show at all, or even watching ABC at all, you're seeing commercials and shit for it. If you're following the Instagram, you're seeing him We all know who this is. It's just a waste of time.
1: They're desperate to keep people tuned into the whole episode.
0: (laughs) I guess. Maybe they just needed to fill time. I have no idea, but it did not work for me at all. This was a glaring example of how bad the producers and the marketing people have been in. I mean, really, all three of these bubble seasons have just not been good in terms of the construction of the shows and how they're promoting them. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro, FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: This episode is brought to you by HP+. In a world full of smart devices, shouldn't your printer be smart too? It is, with HP+. These printers know when they're running low, so you always get the ink you need delivered right when you need it. Plus, you save up to 50% on ink, so you can print whatever you want, as much as you want, any time you want. Huh, that is pretty smart. Get six free months of instant ink when you choose HP+. Conditions apply. Visit hp.com slash smart for details.
0: Whatever. We move on. Portion 6. This is essentially the Des Moines portion. We open with some mountains and some nice time-lapse clouds. We see some turkeys strutting their stuff. And they would have been my creatures of the week, but they weren't. Because the very next shot is just some brush out in the New Mexican desert. Nothing to see here. Just kidding. A deer pops his head up from the brush, and he's very clearly strutting his stuff in a meaningful way, and this (laughs) deer was my... (laughs) Ah! Ah! ...creature of the (laughs) (laughs) week.
1: This deer was also my... (laughs) 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 Of the week. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I mean, this deer was like a surprise creature. You didn't see coming, but he's going to take it all. Representing Blake Blakemore's. And this deer had an eye for drama popping in. I can't believe we picked the same
0: one. You know, I thought that too. And then I was like, I can kind of believe it. There were a million creatures in this episode. We could have chosen anything. A bunch of birds. There was mm-hmm. all kinds of shit. But this deer, I agree with you. This deer told a story in a way none of the Mm -hmm. other creatures did. It was nothing to see. Here I am. Holy shit. The deer had surprise. And then it even kind of looked around a little bit. As if to say, I'm seeing the same things you are And this season is fucked up. You're right. (laughs) At least that's what I got.
1: You're right. Nick Files' timeline definitely holds up. (laughs) That's what this deer had in his eye. A little twinkle. (laughs) That's exactly
0: what I felt when I saw the deer.
1: Blake Moynes is going to be the 26th bachelor. <laughs> there was a Phantom Night One.
0: After we see in the deer's fucking eyeball reflection, you just see Dale Moss smiling. Yeah. <laughs> okay, get so, that
1: PPP loan. Oh, fuck.
0: So after the creature of the week, we see Katie walking down this dirt path next to another fence. Suspenseful piano music is playing. They're still trying to hit us on a subliminal level. Who is this mystery man? She ITMs that she doesn't want to hurt the guys uh, she's already falling for, but she's willing to meet whoever this is. She comes out to meet him. She knows who it is immediately, as do we. It's Blake Moynes. They hug. They sit on a bench, and we get his first play. He is going pure Canadian, opening (laughs) his mouth to deliver an apology before anything.
1: He apologizes for throwing a wrench into Katie's whole situation. But he knew this was the only way. And he said, I was vocal from the beginning. As soon as you stepped out of the limo, you intrigued me and continued in everything you did that season. Your openness, your bold, confident. He throws 100,000 compos in here. Playfulness, humor I can relate to. I have a ranting take here. He's awkward. He's so for TRR. Katie, what the hell? And Katie ITMs, I'm so flustered right now. Blake and I have talked through the DMs. He reached out to commend me for my bold personality. He's a very handsome guy. And Katie tells him, you're the last person I ever thought I'd see. Seeing you is a dream or it's a nightmare. I haven't decided. Blake moins. time will tell with that. Katie says, Katie brings up the concern that's on all of our minds. It's concerning that you've dated two bachelorettes, a.k.a. Claire, then Tasha. If you stay, I will be your third bachelorette. Blake says, I completely get that. I wish I could meet you in any other experience. I know there's a risk of me looking like a complete idiot, but the reward is so much greater than that risk for me. You're beautiful. You check boxes that no one else has. It comes down to the fact, what if... And I would regret it forever if I didn't do this. Katie says she's conflicted. Do I feel like there could be something there? I'll be honest, maybe. Blake, I'll take that. Cute. Katie, do I risk everything? I don't know. Moines, if it came down to the end and we connect how I think we might, we would be engaged at the end of this. And this precog by Blake Moines was my... Play, 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 play of the game. He saves it. He saves it for exactly the right moment in this conversation. There are right and wrong ways to crash seasons. You need to come in with confidence. You need to convey that you have ring winner qualities, that the risk would be worth it. You need to come off as 40RR and genuine. Blake Moynes couldn't have a more 40 wr setup, having dated two bachelorettes, and he somehow deflects this. Nick Vial never had to try to date a third bachelorette; he only did uh, Dorfman and Bristow. It's different going on Bachelor in Paradise instead of a third bachelorette season, and Blake Moynes pulls this off flawlessly.
0: It wasn't my play of the game, simply because it wasn't as incredibly specific as what Trey did. And also, I wanted to spread the love a little bit. I mean, if I want to be honest about this, the game is over because of what he did here. (laughs) As I said in the opening of this, Blake Moynes gets to have Uh the ring or the crown, whatever he wants.
1: You're saying this should have been the play of the game. and Trey's was an error, actually. I think
0: it'll probably be the play of the season because he does a bunch of things expertly he reveals himself to be an incredibly elite player immediately. It's the apology, which is saying, hey, I know this is putting you in a tough spot, but this thing you're talking about, why it's not for TWR, let me tell you why. This is my only chance to potentially see if we have something. If you come out of this, engage to some other guy, I'm always going to think, what if? And I had to take this shot. He's not saying, let me in the show yet. He's just saying, like, you can make the decision but I'm here to see if you want me here, basically. All of that is brilliant, and I agree with you. It deflects the 4TWR immediately, but something he's doing here that I don't even think he realizes yet is he is separating himself from what has now become a cluster of other players. The unionization plays we've seen this season are incredible. Don't get me wrong. Something that we're seeing as a result of them, though, is the identity of all other individual players are now kind of merging into this group. The group doesn't like this guy. The group doesn't like this guy. And so now you're just a part of that group. Blake Moynes is immediately coming in as an individual. He has no attachments to any of the prior drama. He has not been part of any unionization plays. And he's just like, here I am. He immediately stands out. And he's immediately more appealing than all of the other shy style players. And again, he can't know mm-hmm. that these other guys are playing shy style, but he's not. He's instantaneously <laughs> the opposite of shy style. Well, at least one or two probably are, but he, I don't think he could have guessed that they were like the front runners because shy style is like a Wells Adams. Usually shy style ha- hangs back and is kind of a floater-esque. In this season, they're like up front, but here he comes in, he's crashing the fucking season. He's got her fucking laughing. He's outgoing. He's jovial. These are the qualities that I saw on his Instagram that made me think he could be crowned. He's good on camera. He's kind of like electric Mm -hmm. when compared to these other fucking duds. And I just think the season is his now. From this one moment, I think he can literally do whatever he wants.
1: I thought he would do well in the game, but watching this conversation made me think he might be the ring winner because he's also, not only is he not playing shy style, but he's playing in the same style as Katie. It mm-hmm. is confident, but there's a goofiness about it. There's an awkwardness about it. It feels for TRR, even though he is confident. I know. It's, I, I am so excited to watch the rest of the season now that he's in. Before Moines, after Moines, after Moines, I think I'm going to prefer.
0: Oh, totally. He's, he's 100 times more entertaining than anybody in the season. And then this little segment ends with Katie ITMing that she thinks he's being sincere. But she has strong connections already forming, so she doesn't know if she wants to disrupt them. And she still needs to figure out this thing with Thomas. She says that in an ITM after this Blake meeting. So they're still continuing the idea of that timeline, that Thomas, the drama with him, and meeting Blake are happening concurrently. They are promoting that idea.
1: Blake also does a little, a little flourish at the end of this conversation. She's walking away. As she leaves, Blake yells after her, you look great. And she spins and curtsies, thank you. And it's something that he will bring up again. And then portion number seven begins. Guys are doing rose math, trying to guess how many people are going home. Aaron, <laughs> professional targeter, says Thomas is a psycho. James says, how is she going to keep someone who flat out said, I want to be the Bachelor? You're not supposed to flat out say it. He didn't say that last part. And Aaron ITFs that Thomas is not used to losing, but it's global warming. He's on an ice cap and the seas are rising and I don't think he knows how to swim. And they intercut this with Thomas in a hot tub. We don't know if he can swim.
0: This is the point where we are in human history.
1: Global warming is a joke
0: on the bachelor it is certainly something to not be taken seriously let's just use it as a joke and we're watching the show and this is what it is to be complicit thank you for joining (laughs) us katie is in her room this day has been a lot it feels like a week she says and i think that's because it actually has been a week and they're trying to do weird shit with time Mm. taitlin arrives to talk to her no milk once again and Katie tells them that she can't think about Blake right now because she needs to be president with the current men. And she talks about the tray Tattle on Thomas, about him wanting to be the Bachelor. And Caitlin says, there's one way to not be the Bachelor, and that's to tell everyone you want to be the Bachelor. She lays out this fucking beautiful unspoken rule of the crown here because she knew that when she was vying for crown, she never said, I want to be the Bachelor, but you know she fucking did every step of the way. You know there's no way on planet fucking earth she was gonna marry chris souls and move to arlington (laughs) iowa population 450 this is caitlin fucking bristow who has hit singles on itunes who's fucking winning dancing with the stars and shit you ain't doing none of that in arlington iowa so she is listening to this story in this moment and just being like i had those thoughts too i i wanted to be bachelorette but she knows you just can't say it she fucking vocalizes that rule. It's so good. And she says he's probably
1: it. plotting right now. And then they intercut it with Thomas plotting. <laughs> uh, Katie reveals that she was picturing hometowns with this guy. Meanwhile, Thomas is plotting. And he says, I can't believe that the drama spilled over into the group date. And Andrew S. says, yeah, it, it was getting me involved in a heated discussion with Trey. And Taba says, they're, it's my truth, they're just beating a dead horse. Katie produces tears again, by the way, when she's chatting with the uh, ultimate girl gang.
0: She uses tear play quite a bit. She's probably mm-hmm. one of the most frequent crying crowns we've ever seen. But ultimately night falls and the guys suit up and meander to the cocktail party. Thomas, however, is absent, and the guys all wonder where he is, and where is Katie? And, of course, Thomas emerges from his room, walks through the hallways of the resort, and he ITMs that he needs to talk to Katie because if he doesn't have the conversation, it shows subconsciously that he believes it to be true. He doesn't say I need to talk to her to tell her how I feel or to allay any concerns she <laughs> might have. He says, I must have this conversation because it shows subconsciously that I believe it to be true if I do not have the conversation. He's Only thinking in like manipulation terms, straight Mm -hmm. gameplay, straight fucking manipulation. I was happy to see it.
1: (laughs) Thomas performs his knock knock. He grabs Katie's hands, gives her a how you doing, and she says, What do you think has happened this week? A lot has gone on. I'm not close with a lot of the guys. And then he starts this victimization play. The last two days have been really hard on me. I haven't been able to have dialogues. I've had to listen while my character and, in, and integrity gets demonstrated.
0: Demonstrized or something. He, he's mixing a couple of words and he's not using them properly. He says something weird, but we get the meaning.
1: Oh, my spell check fixed it.
0: <laughs> His internal spell check did not <laughs> fix it. But uh, he's basically saying I'm being bullied here. But he says, I'm not going to walk away from this. I will fight. This is a very Luke P. reminiscent gaslighting strategy that is basically saying nobody Mm -hmm. else likes me and I'm not going to walk away from this. I will fight to make it right. The problem is Luke P. had a very strong personal connection with Hannah Brown through the Lord and Savior of the Christian Mm -hmm. religion, Jesus H. Christ. Thomas does not have that here. There is no strong Mm -hmm. personal connection. He's relying solely on the strength of his gaslighting, and that is not going to be enough, as we'll see, obviously.
1: Katie brings up, did you mention being the next Bachelor? And he says, the question they asked me was, did you ever think of a possibility you could be the next Bachelor? I didn't hesitate and said yes. I went on open for anything. I don't think it's equally as crazy that you could go into something like this and fall in love and meet someone who changes everything, and that's what I believe is happening. (laughs) It would be more believable if he wasn't going so far in the opposite direction. Thought I'd be The Bachelor, but you're my soulmate.
0: He literally at one point says he would sign something right now to prove that he doesn't want to be The Bachelor anymore. Some kind of non-crown clause. I'm like, what the fuck is that? That, that is to me when you've gone way too far to be like, I'll literally do anything. I'll sign a legal document saying I don't want to be The Bachelor
1: since he's facing these rallying war cries of inauthenticity, he's got to know his his chance at that is already shot. So, and Thomas says, I didn't I didn't know you going in. None of these guys can sit there and say that wasn't a thought going into this. I'm glad that that statement is actually vocalized.
0: I mean, it's just true. That's the one thing that I like Thomas does seem like he's just playing her and all that kind of shit, but like they mm-hmm. all are. And I'm not saying some of them don't have genuine feelings and all that kind of stuff, but they're all playing this same game. We've seen them all unionized to get rid of players they didn't like. That's part of the game. All of this is just that game. And he's basically saying like, we're all playing a game. And one of the outcomes is you can be the bachelor. I'm aware of that. And I have openly said that I'm aware of that. I don't think this should be grounds for dismissal. Maybe he's a dickhead. Maybe he's manipulative. Maybe there's other reasons, but like, To just blanket say, if you say you want to be the crown, that you're out of here. It's absurd at this point.
1: I mean, Katie says confidently, Thomas tries to interrupt, let me talk. There are men in this house who have zero intentions of ever being a bachelor. Who are these men, Katie?
0: Yeah, this is not true.
1: (laughs) Thomas, I feel the same way. I would sign something right now that says anything you need. (laughs) I'll love level for you on paper. And she says, it's hard because you're perfect. You say things as I want to hear them. You're this Prince Charming.
0: And we basically just get this conversation wrapping up with Katie deciding, you know what? I'm not going to kick you off right now. Come to the rose ceremony and I'll figure it out by then. And of course, this is a producer manipulation. They're forcing Katie to keep him around for the rose ceremony. She has no choice in this matter. And then the other guys, again, are uh, speculating back in the main room about Thomas being dismissed or not, and a door opens. Thomas enters, and Aaron goes, late to the party, (laughs) yay. Thomas basically comes clean, and he's kind of truthful to the guys uh, in this moment. He says, I talked to Katie about my intentions, and I didn't want to take time from your conversations, but somebody says, well, it's midnight, so you've literally done that, and nobody believes anything he's saying. And uh, Hunter says that he can't even look at him because he's so angry. And that's how we end portion eight. Portion nine begins. The guys are all talking about being disappointed. Andrew S. is like, see, I knew I was fucking right. And he basically (laughs) explains like this tattle has now, he's fucked our entire, uh, the tattle has fucked our entire cocktail party. None of us are going to get fucking time now. And Aaron and Christian start fighting with Andrew S. They're yelling at each other, fighting over this tattle, which is to me, again, incredible. It's like they're fighting about gameplay, nothing more here. This isn't about you're a piece of shit, I hate you, you said some nasty thing. They're just fighting about strategy. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Like we're in the professional era, period. Yeah. There's no fucking denying it.
1: They're literally debating how do we make sure that none of us turtle. Don't tattle. No tattle. No turtle.
0: And then Katie enters. She apologizes for being late and says uh, she's sorry to Thomas that he's been ostracized by the guys. <laughs> Brandon plays the role of the first responder. She doesn't even want to say a cheers. It's a cheersless cocktail party. And Brendan gets that first one on one time for his first responder. And he basically says, Do you want me to tattle anymore? And she's like, No, <laughs> I, I'm done with that now. I just want to make this about us. He el wants her. You he know I like you and all your qualities. He praises her f- for being strong and sending home Carl and Cody and he says that he has her back. We get some one-on-one time with Justin. He weighs in on the tattle, and he says if Trey wouldn't have tattled, he would have. Aaron then gets some one-on-one time. He says it was unanimous. They all had concerns about Thomas. Katie ITMs with some tears and says that this conversation about Thomas is still happening heading into the Rose Ceremony. It's exhausting. The guys are still all talking about how Thomas being ostracized is unbelievable. They all clearly hate him. And Michael A. kind of tries to pull it back a little bit. He's like, you know, we all love Katie, and he ITMs that he knows it's hard for her, and the additional stress just doesn't seem fair to him. And even though he's got Rose in hand in his one-on-one time, he says he missed her like crazy and can't stop thinking about their date. No mention of Thomas whatsoever in his one-on-one time. He's the first player to do that. Brilliant fucking move. Again, even though he's got Rose in hand, he's got nothing to lose here, everything to gain, and he capitalizes on this one-on-one time. He does a little future casting saying, He thinks about what it would be like to be outside of this. And she asks him if he'd be willing to leave, maybe move to where she is. He fucking loves it. She's planning. She L1s him. She's having feelings for him, she says. And he says the person she is is exactly the person he's been seeking. And they kiss. This is great play here. And I think the producers are setting him up for something big next week or maybe the week after.
1: No, it's coming off extremely for TRR. Katie says that he has that energy that uplifts you and you forget about the drama with Thomas. Caitlin and Tasha, Ultimate Girl Gang, come in, awkwardly say it's time for Rose Ceremony, Tingless. Katie again apologizes for being late to the cocktail party. Courtney is upset. It's the third cocktail party. He's turtled. Thomas is sitting in a chair with his eyes closed. We go to the next portion rose ceremony Katie checks in with the ultimate girl gang it's she says she's just gonna send thomas home and we begin the rose ceremony with a hail mary by thomas where he throws apologies against the wall at every audience. I want to apologize for any moment I was for TWR. Apologize for any times of disrespect to anyone, any time I diminish the value you have as men.
0: Justin turns in some fantastic face play reactions to his apology. Big eyes at a certain point later. The mouth is agape, but Justin has obviously cemented himself as the face player of the season. And they're utilizing cutaways to him anytime they can, including during this thing. Then the rose ceremony begins. Hunter gets first flower. Greg Grippo gets that second flower. His rose quotient is going to be fucking off the charts once we are able to calculate it in, I believe, next week is the fifth rose ceremony. Or the fifth rose uh, given out. Justin gets a rose. Brennan, Andrew S., Aaron, Mike P., James, Josh. Thomas then ITMs that he knows he's put himself in a bad situation with the guys. He's openly acknowledging his shitty second audience game here. (laughs) Courtney gets a rose. Andrew M. gets a rose. Taitlin emerges. Caitlin gets to administer the dark touch for the final rose. Uh, Katie has it in her hands. And Katie says, Thomas, he steps out of line. Justin's face play is fucking to the moon on this one. Where Kenna Dorn was a mouth-based face play style player in uh, season 24 of The Bachelor. Here we have Justin. He is an eye and eyebrow face player primarily. Wide-eyed expressions, high eyebrow raises using the top half of his face play game. Fucking love it. And uh, we know she's not going to give him the rose. There's no suspense here. There's absolutely nothing he's done that would make her contradict The open statement, she just told fucking Taitlin, I'm not going to give him the rose. And they cut it again into another portion as though we think this is going to happen.
1: Just like Trey and Andrew S., we agree to disagree. I was surprised. Were you really? (laughs) Just like Aaron, I said, oh, fuck. He comes forward (laughs) to accept the rose. (laughs) And Katie says, you told me things I wanted to hear, but what I learned about you tonight is you're selfish, unkind, and a liar. Your bachelor audition ends tonight, so get out. I mean, we talked about Luke P. earlier in the night. This is echoing Hannah Brown. She's not moving the rose pedestal. Instead, she makes him think he's getting a rose and then refuses to touch him and reams him out publicly. I loved this moment. I thought it was fantastic.
0: It was very similar to Claire Crawley, <laughs> Men Like That as well. It's the mm-hmm. the shouting down of somebody who has been revealed to be for TWR. And again, it's what we were talking about earlier. This is a moment where Katie is conveying She controls this season, even though she controls none of it. The producers are actually making all these choices. She gets to decide how to dismiss him, but he must be dismissed at the rose ceremony. He must be the last name called. So she's already had this conversation with producers. You can call his name and then kick him off. They already know she's going to do this. It has been established, and that is exactly what happens. She turns in a pretty good performance here. And then he uh,
1: walks out in shame following David Scott, Christian, and Connor C. I hope this doesn't hurt his political career.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if he's running for office again. (laughs) Thomas leaving without saying a word was my error, 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 error of the game. game. this is it dude you got one last chance to make some kind of an impression you've been the villain for a couple of episodes you have warranted enough here that if you even just have a funny phrase an interesting phrase anything say mm-hmm. something do something it's going to help you get onto paradise it's going to give the audience a reason to remember you as something other than just this douchebag who wanted to be the bachelor like all the other kind players of looks
1: like josh murray Exactly. I mean, we don't know that he didn't say anything. It might have been cut.
0: That we is don't true. Know anything. But seemingly this final rose that she was holding in her hands dematerializes into the ether. We don't know where it went. But she tells the remainder of the guys that she needs them all to be there for TRR. And then she walks out into the night. We don't get the cheers that we usually get with those that remain. That scene is cut in favor of Katie heading back to a door. And she knocks on that door and the door is opened by Blake Moines, who now controls the game. He is nude behind this door. She loves it. He says, hang on a second, let me put on a robe. And when he comes back, it's taken him a little bit longer than she would have liked. He's now dressed in a hoodie and some underwear. And he tells her that he had to put a mitt in his mouth. And it's a very funny, cute moment between them. We see immediately he's the most charismatic player in this entire season at this point, by far. And she essentially invites him to stay on the show. She says that she's got to follow her gut. And given what, uh, where she's at, she says, if you want to stay, join the, the crew and see if this becomes something. He hugs her. He attempts to go in for a kiss here and misses just a little bit. It's like he, he realizes as his head is moving towards hers, he realizes it's a step too far. Again, this is elite level play. He's basically pulling an audible here which is in football, you've already called the play in the huddle, the whole team comes up to the line, you're getting ready to run the play, and the quarterback notices, oh shit, the defense is set up in a weird way, it's going to fuck up the play that we've already called. So you change it at the line with an audible call. You'll say something vocally that lets all the players on your team know, we're running a different play. We're running a different play last minute. And that's exactly what Blake Moynes does here. He's going in for the kiss and then he's like, fuck no, let me just head to the side and give you a hug where I kind of turn and sniff your head.
1: Well, he's done this exact error before when he crashed the group date. Do you remember? Yes. And he went for a kiss and got denied. He should have, he should have learned by this point.
0: He did learn. He le- I mean, it was perfect what he did. If he would have gone full for the kiss, I think it could have hurt his chances because she might have been like, well, hang on a minute, dude. It was perfect what he did. He went still in. Still put a at mint an- in. You got to be prepared. Don't fault a man for that because what if she would have fucking come at him? I think he went in at an angle that was like, let me see what she does in reaction to this. He went in at like a perfect angle to be like, she could perceive this as a hug or a kiss. Let me see what her reaction is. And when she didn't go for the kiss, he went for the hug, perfectly done, perfectly executed. Again, it's his season. Do with it what you will, Mr. Moines. It is yours for the taking.
1: I do not disagree. Katie tells him, pack this room. You're moving into the house tomorrow. And she starts to walk off. Blake shouts out another part in complo, you look great again. And then does this comedic moment where we see that he is in boxers and he has locked himself out of the hotel room. I loved this. This whole scene. They're very they're just very similar players. And I feel like like Katie did a little thing where she's she swings her arms and claps her hand, which was super. Awkward and also I really related to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was just like we're seeing like back and forth. It's like a beautiful, beautiful ballet of goofy confidence.
0: Moines is a fucking incredibly high level player. That is what we're seeing here. And the rest of these players don't get it. These are not pros. Moines is a fucking pro. He's been through the game once, he's using what he knows, like we are saying. He recorrected course when he was like, fuck, I tried to go in for the kiss last time and it fucked me up. Let me not do that this time. He's coming into the game late, knowing it's a fucking advantage. I'm sure he could have been in the player pool if he wanted to. But he's like, nah, let me hold it back a little bit. And that's something the producers have to help you with. We didn't get mm-hmm. the fucking the like crazy person edit that Heather Martin got when she shows up and they're like, I don't know if we can let you in. Tatlin's not meeting Blake at the gates being like, well, you're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. None of that shit happens. Taisha comes in as like Blake Moines is here. Do you want to meet him? That's it. They're setting this fucker up because he had a fantastic third audience game. So. That is essentially the end of this episode. Yeah, and then he does his little acting bit where it's like, I'm locked out. What do I do? Well, one of the producers who's standing right in front of you is just going to let you back in, obviously. And then we get a promo for next week. Andrew S. is going to have a one-on-one. Blake gets his one-on-one, gets a kiss. We see uh, Grippo saying Blake is a contender, and Blake is issuing his not-here-to-make-friends strategy a little bit. Hunter becomes a a threat, and we're going to get this crazy forced violence, forced nudity group date that looks like it's going to require a medic. And then our tag is, of course, Taitlin eating the pepper. And I like that they're laughing. upping
1: the stakes of rugby in that they're in those little singlets.
0: How long will it be, do you think, until we get a group date that is the men are naked and they just have to kick each other in the nuts as hard as they can?
1: That's basically what it looks like we're going to watch next week.
0: <laughs> totally agree. We're, we're <laughs> one step away from it at this point. It's getting there. They've almost boiled it down to exactly that.
1: In the tag, the Ultimate Girl Gang, they try the jalapeno peppers and they swear Bristow's spitting it out. She's doing the comedy bits and I'm enjoying them. Tasha, the milk was disgusting, so there was milk in this episode. Bristow says, your breath is burning my eyes. <laughs> Maybe she should get an Instagram bump. I just wanted her to join the Two Million Club, at least for a second, at least for a moment.
0: I don't think they're gonna do it. But that was it. That was coverage of tonight's big game. Who was your MVP?
1: Not a contest for pace case this week. Blake Moines was my M M M M V P for all the reasons that we've mentioned. Ending up with the forced boxer tot locking himself out of the hotel room. I bet bet he even planned to do that with the door. He is a master preparer and he knew exactly the type of vibe to launch this second tour with. Continuous compliments, goofy awkwardness. I'm, look, we didn't see what happened with Thomas's quote unquote Thomas's rose. I think there was basically an implied rose to Blake Moines. He created a rose out of thin air. We didn't see it, probably because of the timeline, but in my mind, he got it.
0: Yeah, certainly that's the rose math. Whatever happened with that rose, the producers took it, but they were like, mathematically, we need another player. It becomes Moines. Blake Moines was also my... M M M M M V P. He is utterly dominant. I, like, <laughs> no one's going to stop him. I don't believe there's going to be a single moment of faltering from uh, Katie Thurston ever in this. Again, if he wants the ring... The ring is his. If he doesn't, I believe it's going to be up to him to break off the relationship. And that could be what we're seeing when she says, get me out of here. Get me a a flight home. It could be him breaking up with her. I I tend to think it's going to be Grippo, though. I think it's going to be Grippo. That's what my gut is telling me. But it could Mm -hmm. be Moines. In any case... I think largely because of the unionization plays, because we have seen the group collectivize around some 40 WR players to get them removed. Their identity is locked in like just a glob of players. Now Moyen stands as this shining singular player who has a, a lively vivacious attitude. He hasn't been beaten down by the drama of the house yet. And I think Michelle young had a similar kind of vibe when she came on to Matt James's season. Because those mm-hmm. five players, although they were getting kind of shit on by the old players, when they came in, she was just like, whatever, you guys have been fighting about shit? I don't know anything about it. Let's go on a date. And Moines has that here too. He's coming in with this fresh excitement with an astute knowledge of the game, obviously from having played it already and in a bubble season, by the way. So not only is he playing two seasons, he's playing two exactly similar seasons in terms of how the production is, uh, is done. Like, is he going to be on that fu- No, he gets a one-on-one next week. I was going to say if he was on the group date where they're in Moins fucking does? wrestling singles, what's that?
1: Moines gets a one-on-one.
0: I believe so. I believe that was in the promo.
1: That's exactly what Michelle Young did.
0: Right. But he was already on that one nude date where they made them play dodgeball in similar outfits and I then know. stripped down That's naked. I like, like he's already, he would be on that one. <laughs> yeah. He's already done these fucking things. He's already been on multiple force nudity dates. So it's old hat to him, but congratulations to Moines. I mean, tonight was just his game, and I believe now it's his season.
1: So I finally lost a player from my final four when um, David Scott went home. Mm. Would you like to redo your final four after having watched any episodes? We came up with our oh, final yeah. four when we did our Instagram breakdown.
0: I only need one player. I don't even give a fuck about the final four. It's Blake Moynes.
1: Blake Moynes. I'll take a final. Ripo. I'll take
0: a final. Yeah, okay, how about this? Let me get final two. Let, let's redo our thing. Let's carve it down. This is my final two. Moines and oh, I want to say Grippo, but I don't know if that's right. Because I you think he somebody eggs leaves. Earlier. Yeah, somebody leaves early. And I I don't fucking know. I don't even care. It's Moines. It's fucking. I'm Moins.
1: asking you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I don't even care head, about your like, answers. Just don't even tell no, me. You're, no. you're Moins. I'm just
0: like, I'm going through my head and I'm like, well, who's going to be facing off in the end? And I'm like, no one. It's only Moines. No one is playing against him. It's another game he's playing. Everybody else is fucking stuck in whatever they think is like best to do. He's just like, no, this is mine now. I've taken this from you. Everybody else can sit down.
1: I think we got top four Moines, Grippo. Andrew S. Michael
0: A. I'm going Moines, Grippo, Michael A. I'm going to throw the Catman in there. I think he still sticks around. But there you have it. That's our, our readjusted Final Fours after we've had multiple people from each of ours get kicked off. But you know what? Look, that happens. And I'm not saying that our, our initial Final Four picks were bad. Courtney's I think we, still in
1: it. Andrew Milkovich is still floating on.
0: <laughs> yeah. Your initial one was Grippo, Courtney Mixon, David Scott, and Milkovich. Mine was Grippo Mixon, Kyle Howard, and Connor Brennan. So we still have players in the game, certainly. Mm-hmm. And we both had Grippo, who's probably going to go the farthest of any of our final four picks. But now that Blake Moines is in the game, it's his game. That's all there is to it.
1: Well, you have a lot of confidence around Moins. Up until now, you were like, he's the next Bachelor. Now you're saying he's ring winner, which is two different things. Need I remind you.
0: But I'm just saying he's an elite player. I have always felt that from looking at his Instagram, be it crown or ring. The, in my mind, those two prizes are extremely similar. And it's just about a kind of final tweak of your game in the finals or leading into it in the playoffs to decide which one you want. And I think... Like I said, he could still be the fucking bachelor. I don't know, but I can see him winning the ring as well. It doesn't matter. He's the most electric player from this season. I think he gets whatever he wants out of it. If he doesn't get the ring and they have to pick a bachelor from this season, who the fuck would it be other than him?
1: Michael Grippo. God. By the way, I think Justin might be up there too. He's probably final six.
0: Yeah, that's possible. We are going to talk about who we think the next Bachelor should be in the beginning (laughs) of our episode on Thursday. We're going to be doing something a little different. We usually open those episodes with State of the World. We're going to do a segment in this Thursday's episode called State of the Game, where we talk about our beloved game, where it is at currently, including the ratings of the show this season, which are not great, and discuss how the show can kind of get back on track in Bachelor season 26, what that season should look like. So please join us for this week in Bachelor Nation this coming Thursday. And thank you, as always, for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big game, for sending in all the tids, love to see those tids, and for joining us on Patreon. We had a big episode come out yesterday that is a watch-along to the first episode of Love is Blind. If you're on our Patreon, you can download that episode and listen to it while you watch that first episode, and it's like we're in the room with you, talking about the show as you're watching it.
1: Just go to www.patreon.com slash And
0: as always, before we go, what is the Dwaub at?
1: It has been 7,036 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game.
0: Please rate this podcast Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back, no questions asked.
1: You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. If you are a wine lover like myself and you got to have it for your bachelor viewing parties, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I found the personalized, the most personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to try new wines and I'm guaranteed to enjoy them because they got to know my unique preferences. I answered a few questions on their website, this quiz about the flavors you like, how often you drink wine, Monday nights, if you prefer red, white, or rosé. And based on these, it gives you this amazing selection of wines tailored just for you. And when you rate those wines, it gets even more tailored, a la, you know, uh, Netflix. Just play into the algorithm. My algorithm got me both Rosé and white wine, my Mm. favorites, and they were so delicious, and I've gotten to enjoy them with many of my
0: my friends. Look, being part of the First Leaf Wine Club also has perks. As a member, you get access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want wine pairing advice or you want to talk about the wines in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get member-exclusive pricing.
1: What's in the box?
0: On every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with first leaf go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box that's t-r-y-f-i-r-s-t-l-e-a-f.com slash roses tryfirstleaf.com slash roses sweaters candles the dreaded bathrobe unfortunately mother's day gifts can be a little predictable and boring that's why an Aura frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabooly and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to to meeting my cat, really.